Hello and welcome to this week's bonus episode of Need to Know, your weekly investment podcast brought to you by the experts at Coots. I'm Sarah Muir and I'm joined as usual by Coots CIO Alan Higgins. Um, before we get to today's episode, which is a little bit of a change in our normal format, and I'm going to let Alan take over a little bit of control today, which I may regret, but we'll see how that goes. But before we do that, I I'm very excited to announce that we have now launched Need to Know on Spotify and iTunes. Uh, So for those of you who are listening to Need to Know for the first time, just to give you an idea of what we normally do each week, Alan and I sit down and we look at the three things you need to know for the week ahead. What's happening in markets? What's moving markets? What are the big financial headlines? But special episode this week. And so I'm going to hand over to Alan to take the floor well just to introduce so so sarah great irony we've been waiting for years to get onto spotify and as soon as we get onto spotify we break the three rules the <laughs> um, three things so yes a crypto special i'm delighted to be joined by james butterfilm he used to be head of equity research here at coots did a fantastic job and was poached away he now is head of research at CoinShares, that's right yeah. which is europe's largest digital exchange go more into that on a previous episode you might have heard me say coinbase that's run by Brian Armstrong with no hair. James still has beautifully copied hair. I know this doesn't work very well with podcasts, but just for the record, it's coin shares. So look, um, just introducing a bit in terms of crypto, just like most institutions, we're a broad church. Mm. We have people who are fervent believers in everything, including um, all kinds of strange coins that James is going to talk about, Doge. I called it Dog, he told me off, Doge. Uh, uh, we have real believers. We have people who completely disbelieve. Yeah. And you have someone in the middle like me who seems to be a Bitcoin, potential Bitcoin believer only. And we'll, I'll debate that towards the end with James. Yeah. But really, I'm going to hand over to you, Sarah. Mm-hmm. If you can be the voice of the client, mm-hmm. uh, push James hard. He's used to being pushed hard. Yeah. And then... I'd like to have a debate with James on the end on Bitcoin versus other coins, the digital ledger, is it any good anyway, that sort of thing. Okay, well, let's kick off then just to get a sense of how you went from Coots to coin shares. What what, what was that in in very quickly, in about 30 seconds? Yeah, 23 years in finance, I was at Coots um, managing money with Alan. And then I moved to ETF Securities, which was a commodities house. And there they spent a lot of time explaining assets to people so you know particularly gold is a difficult one to understand yeah um clients were asking a lot about bitcoin at the time so i started mm-hmm. mining it okay so just for those few people listening that don't understand how you mine bitcoin just very simply what do you mean by when you talk about um, mining bitcoin uh bitcoin is a big network and yeah. to create that network you need an incentive so mm-hmm. people mining they get Bitcoin for money. That's the incentive to create the big network, essentially. Yeah. And I was part of that, and I was doing it because the electricity costs of mining it were lower than the, yeah. the rewards of the Bitcoin. Yeah, actually, I want to come back to that in a moment about the electricity costs, because that's one of the challenges about Bitcoin. But we'll park yeah. that for a moment. But, I mean, let's just dive straight in. 2022 was a tough year for cryptos, wasn't it? I think it was yeah. fair to say. Um, I mean, and we've seen the collapse of, of FTX. Is it the Wild West out there still? I mean, it feels like someone like me who has never invested in crypto, I'm looking at it and going, right, I'm not going anywhere near this. I'm not touching this. Uh, I like to say, think of the railroads in the, in, the, in the 1900s, right? They were the Wild West in many ways. It was a new thing, a fad that people were very excited about. Mm. And 
rolled into that were a lot of charlatans trying to make money and a lot of good ideas. And I think it's the same with crypto now. Yes, we saw, like in any kind of bear market like we experienced last year, yeah. uh, some bad actors being exposed. Mm. And that's actually not too dissimilar from many other asset classes mm. who experienced the same things. I mean, I think Bitcoin is particularly volatile, partly because it's this emerging new asset class and levels of understanding are very varied and uh, but slowly, as it becomes more established, I think understanding is improving. Okay. So, I mean, as you say, there are lots of names out there. I mean, I mean, probably everybody knows Bitcoin. But if you are new to this asset class, I mean, how do you know what's safe and not safe, what's reputable and what's not reputable? I mean, what, what does an investor do? Yeah, I mean, good question. I, I mean, I think for most people, it's not like you can look at a company and probably make an assessment within a sort of couple of days as to whether you want to buy this company yeah. i think most people's kind of journey to owning digital assets takes maybe a year or even longer it's understand it's technically very complex mm. and the understanding of it i think really takes time uh, okay. i think the first the primary thing you have to remember is bitcoin is the first asset you can't copy and paste on the internet right it's it does that through solving something called the um, Byzantine generals problem, which is an old okay. millennia old war problem of getting uh, generals to cooperate on, on the, in, in warfare. And okay. they did that by getting an economics incentive. Mm -hmm. And then it was truly a computer science breakthrough so, through solving this double spend problem. Yeah. And it, so I think when you look at it like that in fairly simple terms, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great asset to own essentially, but it takes a while to sort of understand that. And then there's been lots of sort of copycats, all slightly different, mm. trying to do something similar. To yeah. Is it fair to say then that there are companies that are jumping on the bandwagon and maybe taking advantage of perhaps investors that know less about this or don't fully understand what they're doing? Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, the FCA and other regulators around the world, where they're targeting um, the marketing to retail individuals is absolutely right. The regulation needs to come in. Mm. Um, some people say it's unregulatable, like, I don't agree with that. And I think, you know, uh, the, where we see people being taken advantage of is particularly sad. But unfortunately, I think it's just part of this growing mm. and exciting new asset class. And to be fair, people can take, be taken advantage of investing in wine or paintings or anything, can't yeah, they? Absolutely. Yeah, OK. So, I mean, we talk, talked about regulation there. I mean, it, I've, I've read numerous places that the SEC has got cryptos in their sites. I mean, they're now really trying to sort of come down hard on them and, and impose regulation on them. Do you think that's going to work? I, I think it kind of stifles into innovation. Um, Janet Yellen was talking about responsible innovation a little while ago. Mm -hmm. The US has come down very heavily handed. Um, in, you know, they're talking about this thing called the Howey test. Is it a security? Is it not mm -hmm. a security? What's a, what's a Howey test? Um, it's testing whether something is a security or not. Okay. Uh, but the US don't really quite understand how to sort of pocket this. Is it? Is it a commodity? Is it a mm. currency? Is it a property? You know, the RS calls it property, the CFTC calls it a commodity. Okay. They're not really joined up. But I think the important thing to know is it really is it's probably its own asset class. And someone like MICA, which is the Markets and Crypto Assets Directives in Europe, mm -hmm. which has just been ratified, mm. is a much more progressive um, sort of thing or sort of piece of legislature to, to kind of uh, really regulate crypto okay. assets. So do we actually see then that maybe Europe is going to take the lead on this then and, and actually be ahead of the US? On, on I think this? it is already. I think, mm. you know, they uh, really what they've created is the blueprint. And 
And I expect the US and most likely the FCI, FCN in the UK to kind of follow suit with some quite similar kind of legislation. And do you see a point in the not too distant future then where investing in Bitcoin is a fully regulated activity and retail investors could feel comfortable doing it? There are limits to how much you can regulate. Bitcoin is in essence really a stateless asset. It's not something the state can confiscate or control, mm. but you can control the on and the off ramp. So that okay, is... Sorry, just stop you there. Explain on and off ramp because yes, I certainly yeah. don't know what that means. Yeah, so, so let's say you own some Bitcoin or you have some, some fiat currency like some sterling mm. and you want to buy Bitcoin. You have to use an exchange to do that. That is what I would class as the on and the off ramp. So gotcha. flipping from Bitcoin to fiat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's basically where you would buy and sell. Yeah, really? and, and that is where... The majority of the criminal activity is happening yeah. and so it's right particularly regulators should focus on that yeah i mean well that you, you I, I wasn't going to mention this but you brought up the, the subject of criminal activity and that's often the criticism that's leveled against cryptocurrency not necessarily bitcoin but cryptocurrencies is that it's because of the way it's developed and designed and it's it's not centralized and it's not confiscatable it's that's why it was created for criminal activity Grossly over sensationalized okay. by the media, in my view. <laughs> Including uh, you, just have to, you just have to look at the, um, the, the numbers. So, last year, so check, there's, there are these crypto forensics companies that say the London Metropolitan Police or the FBI mm. now, the Chain Analysis and Elliptic are two of them. Okay. And Chain Analysis calculated around $20 billion of criminal activity last year. Mm. Um, that is 0.64% of all global anti-money laundering. So it's okay. minuscule. If you look at the criminal activity on Bitcoin, it's around 0.2% of Bitcoin volume. So absolutely tiny. Okay, okay, fair enough. Before I let Alan loose on you, I've got mm -hmm. one more question I want to ask you. You mentioned it right at the beginning about at the time when you started getting involved with Bitcoin, the cost of electricity was so cheap. That it actually is a very cost-effective thing to do. That is the other big criticism that's leveled against cryptos, isn't it? Is the cost of mining, the, the cost to the planet of mining. So, for one thing, yes, I think Bitcoin has at times perhaps been environmentally unfriendly, and still mm. is in some in some elements. Mm. Um, but it actually can be very much a force for good. I mean, we can go into a lot of detail here, but the, the Bitcoin produces around forty million tons of CO two a year. Mm -hmm. um, tumble dries in the United States alone consume 52 million tonnes of CO2. Okay. We need to put things in perspective mm. and ask ourselves questions like, why isn't YouTube or Netflix telling us how much uh, they're, they're consuming in CO2 a year? The thing is about Bitcoin is it's very, very easy to calculate how much electricity is consuming. So it's very single out, and I think that's unfair. It can actually be very much a force for good. Mm. Um, there are lots of marginal um, uh, renewable power uh, projects that okay. can't really take off because it, the numbers don't really work because demand is very high sometimes and demand is very low. Mm. Uh, Bitcoin, can act, Bitcoin mining can act as a, a load balancer, mm. where essentially at night when power demand is low, you can mine Bitcoin, and that helps elevate the, um, the, the bottom line, the profitability of these sort of marginal uh, renewable power projects. Mm. Um, and in fact, what it can do is, is start to encourage further renewable power projects to be okay. created because they become financially viable. Okay. Well, so food for thought there. Right, I can see Alan is champing oh. at the bit. He wants to start asking you some questions. So I'm going to take a back seat for a moment and hand over to Alan. Okay, thank you, Sarah. Great stuff. So, um, yeah, maybe I just talk a little bit about where I stand on this because I put my hand up and I and I was, dare I say, in the Warren Buffett camp originally, Jamie Dimon camp of, you know, basically saying hate it all. 
And then when you talk to people who are, especially from emerging markets, Lebanon, I believe you've got some clients from Lebanon, yeah. uh, you know, good, good friend there, Turkey even, it's uh, Africa. But ironically, it's a way of them getting dollar exposure conveniently. Now, the old way was to buy gold. And gold is a physical belief system. And it really brings it home. I, you know, uh, those, uh, those clients who are wealthy enough to buy a 2,000, it's roughly 2,000 pounds for a little gold Britannia. And I think silver equivalent is about 50. I've, I've mentioned this before, so mm. apologies for labouring. But you hold them in your hands, the silver is prettier, but the gold is worth 2,000. Why? It's a belief system that's, it is only a belief system that's withstood thousands of years. And don't get me wrong, we've had gold in portfolio in the portfolios mm. from time to time. Um, and we stand by that. So then you've got to think a bit more lastly, well, could there be a digital belief system? And there could, and it, but it's, it's got to be a great brand like gold. And that's where Bitcoin comes in. Mm. So I can see, so if, if you like, within the Coots Broad Church I mentioned earlier, mm. I, I'm a self-confessed believer in Bitcoin. Okay. Um, now, for, 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 for clients, don't worry, it's, it's a huge step to put that in portfolios. Um, custody, uh, and I mentioned, you know, there's a broad church, there's people rightly who think it's completely rubbish. Bit of a funny story, though, because um, I mentioned this to a client. He said, oh, you must come to my Bitcoin conference in Edinburgh. Really enjoyed it. Um, wasn't quite prepared because this was a Bitcoin, what do they call it, James? Maximalist? Bitcoin so, Maxis. Yeah. Bitcoin Maxis. Maxi. Right, what, yeah. what, what to, to explain what a Bitcoin Maxi is. Um, their view of the world is that you only need Bitcoin and you don't need any other cryptocurrencies, which is kind of theoretically correct. Um, but unfortunately, something like Ethereum has really gained a lot of traction and, and, and a big network now. So, and in, and in many ways, perhaps Ethereum is better. Well, we can discuss that some other time. We're, we're not but, making any recommendations. Yeah, 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 just yeah, a bit yeah, crypto, yeah. so there will be a discussion. Right, the <laughs> compliance warning needs yeah. to be double strict this time. Uh, but yeah. generally, they view that the kind of fiat currency or the dollars, sterling, etc. Uh, a central banking system is going to collapse and they think that Bitcoin is going to take over. I, so this is the worst case scenario. Yeah, I mean, so they... So doomsday. Yeah, whenever you hear sort of... Um, for instance, when uh, Liz Truss came out with the disastrous policies... The allegedly. Day, allegedly disastrous policies. Because <laughs> we're a broad church here. Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> and sterling really plummeted. Interestingly, Bitcoin trading volumes went from $70 million a day to $900 million a day. Mm. Um, so people very much latch onto that idea that they kind of traditional the old guy's collapsing and bitcoin's going to take over i don't agree with that okay it's fair enough and and uh, it's interestingly because I, I've, I've never been you know i've done a fair few conferences in my career i've never been booed or cheered so much uh, i really enjoyed it so i'm up for more uh, and so that's where i stand but this is what i hate james okay i'm just going to read it out bear with me we offer one investment product 15 percent annual annualized fixed rate loans these loans have no downside. We guarantee full payment. Uh, we are extremely confident we will pay this amount. It is unlike in the unlikely case we lose more than 2% over a month. We will give all investors the opportunity to recall their funds and we will still guarantee full repayment. I hate this kind of marketing because a lot of private clients will get attracted to the 15%. Do you know where that came from? The FTX hedge fund. Yeah. Absolutely outrageous. Mm. So... Defend the industry in the light of that. Yeah, well, I think when something sounds too good to be true, I mean, the old adage applies in crypto, absolutely. You know, when we saw FTX offering a yield of 
20%. You have to ask yourself, is that genuinely viable? What's changed compared to bonds offering you 20%? In, in essence, nothing. And I think actually we will look back at FTX as being a great kind of um, reckoning for the industry and bringing people a little bit back down to earth here. There's a huge amount of euphoria and excitement and that leads to poor judgment amongst investors. And I think you need to do your due diligence. There's plenty of great projects out there. There's also plenty of shoulders, certainly. Yeah. Okay, so we kind of finish up, fair enough. Uh, and that's that was outrageous. And I'm, I'm pleased to say that hopefully most of these are gonna be clamped down and that that is definitely regulators should be all over statements like that. Yeah. Um, so, um, Let's get into this debate on Bitcoin and the blockchain in, ge in general. So um, I'm pretty influenced by a piece of research, and anyone can Google this from JP Morgan in the public domain called The Maltese Falcon. Fantastic film, of course, but no, that's what they, they claimed it. And it, it's, it, uh, it's actually quite an old piece of report, but it, it, it's turned out to be quite right. And what I find very interesting about it is that the person writing the research goes into JP Morgan and says, well, OK, loans corporate bonds, instead of having Excel spreadsheets, what about digital ledgers? And the feedback is, yeah, we tried it. You know, we used a JP Morgan private coin, not very interesting, not really going anywhere. And then what looked like the final, or maybe not the final, but, you know, really difficult situation, the Australian Stock Exchange, uh, correct me if I got it wrong, James, but I think they spent 75 million on an idea to move away from conventional stock exchange to a digital stock exchange. And they just said, it doesn't work and wrote it all off. So this for me now if i was saying this at the bitcoin conference i'd be getting cheers because this to me brings back to bitcoin's the only one because mm. the rest you know using the digital blockchain the evidence looks very slim would you counter that is you know wh where where do other digital currencies come in because and i'll give you a final one uh, to give you time to think um i was at a um a, a, a crypto breakfast you know that they invited that invited me and was some was was someone was asked is that if the ledger I asked actually if the ledger I, I mentioned this research and I said if the digital ledger is so good why do you need to be paid in an increasing crypto price surely if the ledger is amazing the digital ledger it'll stand on its own two feet like the JP Morgan coin and and they said well people need to get paid for their research which to me sounded like a Ponzi scheme mm. so a lot to fill in there James. But could you join me and be a Bitcoin maximalist? Yeah, we're getting into, <laughs> we're getting into a very deep subject here, but I think it's important. So you have the um, uh, the point in any blockchain, you want scalability, security, and decentralization. If you don't have one of them, there are potential problems, but it's impossible to have all three of them. Mm. So to give you a, uh, an, a good point about Bitcoin, it has incredible security. It's never been hacked. Exchanges related to Bitcoin have, but that's not Bitcoin. Um, and it has great, fantastic decentralization, but it doesn't have the scalability. And that is the, the, the big challenge there. How can you kind of get all three? Now, Bitcoin's solution to this, although Bitcoin doesn't have any kind of leaders, which is very great for decentralization because the US government can't subpoena anyone for Bitcoin. You know, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, no one knows who, knows who he, she, or they is. Mm. And that gives it great kind of security in that respect. Um, but it doesn't have scalability. But there is this thing called the Lightning Network, which is being used a lot in emerging markets, which is a kind of what they call this, this layer two solution, which is a bit like if you think about uh, uh, Visa being 
a payments aggregator. It's a layer two solution. And underneath okay. that fits something called the Fedwire, which does all the big transactions. Mm-hmm. That's a bit like with Bitcoin and, and Lightning. Bitcoin does a really big chunky transactions, but slowly. Mm-hmm. And then layer two does lots of these mini transactions, a bit like these. And they scale up to a million transactions per second. So that's great. Um, and that is potential one solution. But there's, an, there's a slight issue. Every cryptocurrency, really for it to work and have value, needs a big network. Yeah. And there are only two, in my view, with a really big network, Bitcoin and Ethereum. You could argue that maybe now Ethereum's network is larger. It also has 3,000 active developers. Bitcoin has around 300 active developers. That's quite a contentious point because maybe you don't need so many developers. Mm-hmm. Maybe Bitcoin's just right and it works now. Yeah. Um, Ethereum has a potential solution to this, what they call the trilemma of scalability, uh, decentralization, and security. Mm. Um, without going into too much detail, it's called sharding, and it's an upgrade that will happen later this year where it'll create randomized sets of computers to validate transactions rather than every single computer in the world validating a transaction, which kind of, if you can think about it, would be quite clunky. Mm. And that's potentially one of the problems with Bitcoin. True. So, so I can see how Ether maybe could replace it, but you, you haven't said too much about what are the real advantages of the blockchain? Because, or you know, the JP Morgan report is it is is the blockchain overhyped, or do you really see some some uses in technology? Well, well Bitcoin would survive without no, Bitcoin okay. blockchain. I know obviously. that, but I mean, I mean all the other currencies because you know, throw a few other names, Solana and so. What's a, fascinating? Yeah, well, yeah. let's just stick with Ethereum. Yeah, yeah. Still well, yeah. Yeah. Solana's like a kind of copycat. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but a lot smaller. But um, What's really interesting about Ethereum is it has um, uh, smart contracting. Uh, and and perhaps, what is, So what does that mean, smart contracting? Uh, it is basically a, a programmatic way of having a, contra- a contract. Gotcha. And so the best way of thinking about it is actually NFT, so digital art. Yeah. So if you think about um, NFTs, you might think, oh, it's just a GIF image. I can copy and paste that. It's mm. really, what a smart contract gives you is the digital provenance of ownership of that image. So it's not necessarily the image itself, it's mm. the digital provenance. And that's what's fascinating. And then you can kind of replicate that into lots of different areas. So Jen, which I mean, so Bitcoin can't do that. Only Ether can do that. It's starting to do it now, uh, something called ordinals or inscriptions mm. on Bitcoin, but it's much, much smaller than Ethereum. Ethereum's got the uh, stole in the mark, so to speak, in, 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 in that respect. And also decentralized finance. So, yes, something that Bitcoin could do, but because its leadership has not happened, it's happening now in Ethereum. And we don't decentralize finance. It's, it's a bit like saying, right, I want to get a loan, uh, but I want to ensure that it's 100% or maybe even 150% collateralized. Uh, it, these loans get auto-called. As soon as someone says um, there's a slight problem here, they, it automatically calls the loans. And what was very interesting during the crash last year mm. is nothing wrong happened with DeFi and decentralized finance. It all worked as people had expected. Mm. And so... That's how Ethereum is smart contract. Sorry, decentralized finance. It's not these terrible loans, which I hate. Are you talking about these loans or is it something else? Uh, yeah, there is an element of decentralized finance, which does have some pretty crazy APRs and crazy returns. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but there's lots of quite credible work. I mean, if I was to critique it, though, quite often the demands for collateralization are way higher than they might be in a traditional bank, for instance. But that's people being quite cautious. So just so you're basically saying why there may be room for I, 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 the, the, the blockchain 
going beyond Bitcoin, if you like, uh, and being real commercial use is that the Bitcoin use is, is quite limited. I get that. But where's the evidence that it, that it can be really used? We get, you know, we put all our customers on there or, you know, I mentioned the Australian Stock Exchange, they couldn't get it to work. So the two consider alongside each other. Bitcoin, I think, I think are two very different assets. Uh, Bitcoin is, I stress, an emerging store of value. Mm -hmm. And with that comes all the kind of contentiousness about its value, just like gold. Um, I think Ethereum is better, look, is better looked at as a bit like Amazon Web Services, uh, but with a currency rolled into it. And it's a much more democratic expression of a company. So with we have just Bezos determining where the income from Whereas Ethereum is, is, is it's kind of expressed and directed by the network itself. So it's a much more democratic expression of that. And if you were to look at earnings, it's valuation. I think Amazon is priced at 85, 90 times PE, whereas Ethereum is around 30, 35 times PE. So it's much more attractively valued at the moment. We have to come back to that because yeah. we're going down... Yes. A very interesting area in depth. We, yeah. we may do an advanced crypto yes. uh, yeah. specialist for those devotees yeah. that want exactly. a bit hardcore. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm not boring. No, no, I definitely not. I do feel before we sort of close, we ought to strike a note of caution because I'm I've yeah. got sat either side of me here two Bitcoin bulls, definitely, or very pro Bitcoin. I mean, if I'm a retail investor uh, and I'm concerned. It's, it's fair to say it's still highly volatile. Yeah. It's not regulated. Yeah. It, it, you know, to somebody like me, it seems like the Wild West. Mm. And, you know, to quote Warren Buffett, I'm, I'm investing in something I don't understand. Is, is it fair to say at the moment that's still the case? I mean, let's a little bit of balance. Here. Yeah, this is most akin to a small company. Mm. Um, it's not delivering any earnings. Uh, the management has an interesting concept. And really, as an investor in a small company, you've got a faith in that concept and faith in the manager to deliver that concept because yeah. there's no proven earnings track record. Mm. And I think this is where we are with many cryptocurrencies right now. Uh, there are emerging sort of track records occurring, such mm. as Bitcoin ownership in the emerging markets. But, you know, I, I still think it's very early stages yet. So, yeah. you know, you have to think about it in that mindset. Yeah, I think that's a very, very good note to end on. Except I think Alan's got a... Yeah, just to add. Yeah, so believer, yes, convert, but recognise it's extremely speculative. Yeah. Would I put it in professional portfolios yet? No. Mm. Would I put it even on my own portfolio? Tiny, to be clear, because um, I tell all our clients whenever I meet them, I'm a Coots Global Growth Investor, conventional equity mainly with a little mm. bit of bond investing. So so absolutely. So um, call me believer is right, mm. but you can believe in something and not particularly invest in it. You know, it's yeah. like my gold Britannia. I believe in gold, but I think I probably that's all I've got is two thousand. I'm lucky enough to have that mm. coin and for two thousand two thousand pounds worth. Yeah. Uh, but really, um, I've always been an equity investor, maybe mm. complex credit, and uh, and now the really strict compliance warning needs to come in. The really strict compliance warning. Before I get to that, I want to say thank you very much to James Butterfield for joining us today for this very special episode of Need to Know. Thank you, Alan, for letting me get a word in there to us every now and then. It's very much appreciated. And yes, a reminder that the views expressed in this podcast are not intended to constitute investment advice. 
are accurate at the time of recording and are subject to change. As I said, thank you very much to James and Anne for joining me today. Don't forget to check out the podcast page on coots.com to access previous episodes and go to Spotify and uh, iTunes and subscribe to the series. And let us know what you think. Um, you can listen to previous episodes on there. Tuesday, uh, earlier in the week, um, Alan and I chatted to uh, Howard Sparks, who's our US equity expert. Uh, so subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Go to coots.com. Listen to the podcast. That's all for this week. We'll be back next week with more need to know. Until then, bye for now.